Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's episode, Kevin Ingram will join us. We'll talk Vanderbilt baseball, basketball, and football. Kevin appears on our guest line that is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Kevin Ingram joins us. He's part of the Vanderbilt broadcast crew. Kevin, busy time for you these days. Welcome to the show. You are in the middle of football season watching basketball and baseball practices. It is just a busy and crazy time of the year for you. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, Anytime, Chris. Yeah, it's that crazy time of year. We're starting to get closer and closer to crossover season, as we like to call it, where you got uh, a bunch of things going on at one time, including uh, football and basketball, both going for about three weeks in November. Uh, Although I will say, I, I think the crossover in the spring is a little bit harder when you have basketball leading into baseball and you you know, baseball starts in the middle of February and, and you got everything going on at once there, too. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time of year, but it's a lot of fun. It, uh, it's, it's cool to try to make it all happen. I've actually had days where I've covered all three sports at once. Yeah. It might have been right? I, I think it yeah. probably involved around a spring practice or a spring game and obviously a basketball game and, and a baseball game. But it is crazy when you get to that time of the year and they're all going at once. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just it's not as hard actually doing the games as it is doing the prep for the games. That That's the part that gets challenging. Um, I, as I said, I think in the spring, though, when you're doing, say, four baseball games a week and two basketball games a week, just trying to get all the prep done. And some you get to a point with some of them where you're like, look, I just just got to go with it. You know, I got to rely on, on what I know and, and just call the games and do the best you can. But, yeah, it's it's a. It's a fun problem to have. I, ne- I never want to sound like I'm complaining, but it, it becomes uh, kind of challenging at times, especially when you talk about doing games in different places, sometimes on the same day. How many different venues have you been to to cover games? Have you ever made account of all that? Um, well, now for football, as far as the SEC, I, I've been to every stadium at least once, except for Texas A&M. I, that's one I haven't been to. I've only been to Missouri once. I've been to the others multiple times. Um, the other, you know, 12, you know, you had those 12 schools in the league for a long time before A&M and Missouri joined a few years back for college basketball. I, I want to say I've been to, it's like 110 or something like that. Um, I, I counted them all up a couple of years ago, but I can't remember what I came up with. Um, I, I want to say it's somewhere in the, the 100 to 110 range. Uh, it, it's crazy when you start to really add them up and think about all the places you've been over, say, a 20 or 25 year stretch. It's really kind of fun to think back about some of the trips and going to uh, add some new ones this year. Looking forward to going to a few new places in the SEC for basketball that I haven't been for hoops. And uh, of course, uh, Hawaii trip on the schedule and uh, SMU will be a new one. I have been to Pittsburgh which is on Vanderbilt's uh, men's schedule. But, yeah, I'm going to add a few new ones here, so looking forward to that. What's the most random venue you've ever worked from? (laughs) Um, A couple come to mind. One of my favorite ones is this old gym they used to have over at Campbell University, which is in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. It's close to Raleigh. Uh, They had this old place called Carter Gym, and it's just tiny little place. And it was 
it was either the smallest or the second smallest venue in college basketball for a long time. It held like 938. And uh, the, the court was like a high school size court. So it wasn't even, I don't even think it was a college length court. And the rafters were really low. I remember seeing somebody at, at halftime one time throw a ball, you know, yeah, you know, at the end of a half, you just heave one down to the goal at the other end. The ball actually hit the rafters on, on the way to the uh, other goal. So it didn't ever get there. Uh, another interesting I went to was just a couple seasons ago uh, with Belmont. We played at Eastern Washington, and I had done a TV game at Vanderbilt the night before. And so I basically did a day trip to Cheney, Washington. I, I got up early, and I flew from Nashville to San Francisco to Spokane. And then I Ubered over to Cheney, which wasn't very far from the airport. We did the game at Eastern Washington. And then we flew back home after the game. We took a red eye back home. So after the game, we went and got something to eat. And we went back to the airport, flew from Spokane to Chicago to Nashville. I, I, was, I don't even know if I was gone 24 hours. But I, I, again, I basically did a, a day trip to Eastern Washington, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was my wisest move. And then one more for you. Um, I found out one time that you cannot leave Nashville at 530 in the morning and do a basketball game in Anchorage, Alaska on the same day. It just doesn't work. So <laughs> on that one, I think I went Nashville, Dallas, Seattle, Anchorage. And by the time I got there, I was just a vegetable. So <laughs> you, you need to definitely make sure you have a, a little bit of time in between. Uh, no doubt. I, I guess the one thing you would be thankful for is that at Eastern Washington, you were not calling a football game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That the red field, that would drive me oh bananas. I, I, yeah, couldn't, was, I couldn't handle it. No, I don't think I could either. That looks so weird. In fact, I saw a game on TV from there not long ago, and it reminded me of that trip, and I sat there and watched some of it. The field is actually named after Mike Ruse, who played for the Titans for a long time. He was, of course, a uh, Pro Bowl left tackle for the Titans. Uh, it's Mike Ruse Field, and I remember I walked over there. It was right next to the basketball gym, and I took a picture of it while I was there. It was dark. I couldn't really see the red field or anything. But, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of uh, football fields that aren't the, the uh, normal color. I mean, uh, the, the Boise State field to me is weird, and I always think something's wrong with the TV when I'm watching that. And, you know, the, the red field in Eastern Washington is a little strange. But, yeah, those are, those are interesting. Yeah, that might be the one time I'd wish I was colorblind. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk, Vandy. Your impressions on what happened in Columbia Saturday? You know, Chris, I, I thought there were a lot of really good things to take away from that game. Vanderbilt, for a whole lot of the game, played really well and really outplayed South Carolina. Now, it got away on that last drive when, when South Carolina drove down and scored a touchdown to, to go in front, and then Vanderbilt uh, turned the ball over, and, and that was the end of the game. But I, I thought there, there were a lot of good things to take away. I thought Mike Wright you know, installed as a starting quarterback, really performed well for the most part, uh, 11 of 21 for 206, threw a touchdown, one interception, uh, ran the ball some. And, you know, Will Shepard, his, his yards after contact of 70 and uh, three catches for 120, just some big plays with him and Cam Johnson. I, I thought there were just so many good things to take away. Vanderbilt got four turnovers, which was big. Uh, fumble recoveries have, have been few and far between for this team, but got two of them in that game and also got two more interceptions. That's three consecutive games with at least two picks. So yeah, it, it was a tough scene after the game being down there and just kind of, uh, feeling that disappointment after it got away at the end. But overall, it felt like this team took a step forward in that game at South Carolina and, and played well for a whole lot of the day. Did you see any commonalities on the turnovers? Uh, on the ones that Vanderbilt got? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all kind of different. I, one thing I did feel like was in common with with 
at least the interceptions was the fact that Vanderbilt got pressure. They put pressure on the quarterback. And even when they didn't get turnovers, they, they forced him into some bad throws. And uh, that was Luke Doty, who was the, the QB for a whole lot of the game. You know, Zeb Nolan came off the bench with Doty injured at the end. But, yeah, I, I think getting pressure on the quarterback was one thing that helped uh, make some of those things happen. And it was just a lesson, man. You get pressure on that QB, and, and you can uh, force him into some bad decisions sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and let me preface my own question by saying, of course, coaching staffs would like to get more pressure uh, if they could. I mean, who wouldn't want to, right? And uh, sometimes that comes with a cost of coverage or whatever, or a number of things we can get into. But here's where I'm going. You talk to coaches, you know, you prepare for your week and everything. Do you get a sense that maybe they found some things in that area that they can take to, to work going forward? I hope so. Um, I'll talk to defensive coordinator Jesse Mentor a little bit later on today uh, for our pregame interview. I haven't really had a chance to to speak with him much in depth since then. But, yeah, I think so. I think the defensive line has started to play better, too. I think that's been an area of improvement for this team over the course of a season. Um, yeah, I everybody wants and you're right everybody wants to get pressure on the quarterback and sometimes it's to the detriment of your secondary and uh yeah they you know they, they brought some extras at times and uh, it worked out for them but yeah i, I feel like that is an area of, of improvement for this group uh you know, certainly on the defensive side of things but yeah co forcing those turnovers it makes all the difference i mean you, you kind of think about how that game went the, the one big one in the first half that gave Vanderbilt the short field and went right in and scored a touchdown. And that was a big game changer at that point. And yeah, there are a couple of different spots where they, they got a big turnover and it sort of changed complexion of the game. What is your sense of how they match up with Mississippi State? That's an odd team. Uh, the air raid offense, the, the throws are all short. They have no running game to speak of. I mean, it's just an interesting matchup. And with those guys, you just don't ever know from one week to the next, how it's going to go. All their games have been close. Um, you know, they they beat a good team one week. They darn near lose to Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, they lost to Memphis on that controversial play. I mean, it just – that's a team that when – to me, that's an intriguing matchup because I think you've got to feel a little bit about better about Vanderbilt after Saturday. Uh, and with State, you, again, you just – so many odd things there. I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I don't know either. You know, it's, it's going to put a, put a lot of pressure on the secondary for Vanderbilt this week. There's no doubt about that. But it's almost like a, a run game, only you're, you're throwing passes, uh, if, if that makes any sense. You've got all those receivers. I think you have three receivers that have over 30 catches, and then you have two that have at least 40 catches this year. But, I mean, that's it's your, your typical Mike Leach offense. The one thing I wonder about Mississippi State going into this game is, is – what their physical condition is going to be like after playing Alabama. It's almost like you need a week off after you play those guys. And, you know, we, we've seen it over and over. So, you know, what, what are they going to be like when they come in here? You might say the same thing about Vanderbilt. What are the Commodores going to be like after, you know, a tough loss on the road at Mississippi State? But um, I, I kind of wonder, you know, are, are you a little bit beat up and fatigued after you play a game like you, you play Alabama or you play Georgia, you know, what's the, what's the status of your, your guys after uh, that, you know, the next week. Uh, but I, I think it is an interesting matchup in trying to sort of slow down what they do. And Vanderbilt played them pretty tough last year, but it's been a while since Vanderbilt uh, has beaten Mississippi state in this series. So uh, we'll see if this week is the time. Well, they got ticked off Alabama and look, trying to execute Alabama football, if you're Vanderbilt, is, is maybe easier said than done. But Bama did get seven sacks and forced three picks last week um, against to Will Rogers. And speaking of which, I haven't done the math lately, but he was on pace to break the all-time record for attempts 
uh, when I checked on that a couple weeks ago. And I'm, I'm guessing throwing 59 and 55 the last two games has not taken him off that pace. And, and by the <laughs> no. way, that's Graham Harrell's record, who also played for Mike Leach. Yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, I, I, he looked a little beat up when I saw him playing against Alabama last week. I, we were, it was funny. We were watching some of that game on the plane on the way home from, from South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State, where we're playing down in Starkville. And, and you're right, they did get a, a ticked off Alabama team after they got beat the previous week against Texas A&M. But yeah, it, you know, it, that, that to me is always an interesting uh you know, you look at the stats for these air raid type offenses, I think all the way back to like when Tim Couch was at Kentucky and, you know, he had Hal Mummy and I know Mike, Mike Leach kind of uh, sort of part of that whole the coaching tree. But uh, you, you had a, a million attempts and and completions and, and all that. And you, you break all these records. But at the same time, you, you know, you're not. It's like you're throwing for for tons and tons of yards always, even though you have that many attempts. But you know, the, the running game to me would. You know, you look at what they did last week against Alabama, minus one yards rushing. You don't see that very often, no matter who you're playing. At least have you know something on the board. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting offense to try to defend. There's no question about it. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. You've been to hoops practices lately. What are you seeing there? Um, I've seen a little bit. And again, people ask me, it's like, you know, what do you think? It's like, well, I, don't, I don't know that I've seen enough or I haven't seen him play anybody other than, you know, in practice to, to form much of an opinion. Uh, I was out there yesterday for about half an hour. One of the things I enjoyed was, was watching Adam Azari, who's one of the assistant coaches, uh, teach defense. And uh, they, they really worked on a lot of stuff as far as like uh, I was watching them. Yeah, there's a little segment where they were you know, defending screens and set plays and things like that. I thought that was interesting to watch. Um, the one thing that, that stands out, too, is I don't think there's much question. These, uh, you know, the, the transfers they've added seem like they're going to be uh, pretty significant pieces, especially Chapman. Uh, you know, coming coming in from Dayton, uh, Chapman and Mann and Taryn Frank. I've seen you know some of him. A uh, couple injuries that are you know, still. You wonder what the status of those guys will be. You hope Liam Robbins will be ready to go uh, sooner rather than later because they they certainly need his his presence inside. But you know, Scotty Pippen Jr. named the uh, preseason SEC Player of the Year yesterday, and to me, that's a lot to live up to. But uh, it's cool to see him get that recognition. He was on the Bob Cousy Award watch list too, as named back earlier in the week. So yeah, he's he's going to have a lot on his shoulders. But you hope maybe they can by playing him off the ball some, if they're able to do that, that it can uh, maybe give him even more of an opportunity to impact games. But you know, I've, 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 
I've been impressed. One thing uh, with the uh, the fitness level of the guys, I think they, they look like they're in really good condition uh, going into this season. I, I thought that was one thing, you know, last year, and not just from Vanderbilt, but a lot of teams. It, it was interesting to see with with the weird offseason and everything, you know, how, how the teams looked and, and how they performed, and uh, you know, from a sort of a conditioning standpoint. I, I think this team, from from that perspective, I think looks really good, but. Uh, it, I don't know. It's interesting to just go watch practice and see these young guys try to come together and uh, and fit in new pieces. It's it's a very different looking team than what we saw the last time they were on the court at the SEC tournament back in March. The guy to me that's the X factor and maybe fairly or unfairly is Taryn Frank. And part of the reason for that is they just haven't been able to defend. And I, I think that was kind of part of his reputation at TCU is that he had some abilities there. But to me, that's a guy that I just am really intrigued to see what they have. What are your impressions after you've seen him play? Yeah, I've just seen a little bit of him practice some, and I know he had a pretty good year at TCU last year. Um, I, I think he can. I think he can be an X factor for this team. Uh, hopefully, he can. Um, what you know, I every time I see him, I think about watching his dad play for yeah. Western Kentucky uh, back in the '80s when I was a kid. His dad, Tellus Frank was one of the greatest players in the history of that program. And he went on to play in the NBA and uh, was really, you know, he was a big guy. Tell us Frank was a big, big forward. And uh, he, he, yeah, Taron's not quite as big as his dad was, uh, but uh, certainly hope that he can be an impact player for this Vanderbilt team. Baseball, you've been able to watch some practices and scrimmages and, and things. Of course, we'll have the black and gold series starting this weekend. What are you seeing as you watch those guys? Well, you're, you're seeing, like I said about basketball, uh, it's a different looking group for baseball, too. I mean, you have a lot of familiar faces out there. And you kind of have some of these, you know, some of your core guys, Keegan and Colwick and Parker Nolan and you know, Javier Vaz and, and uh, you know, so some of the other guys that have, have played quite a bit in this program. Enrique Bradfield, of course, heading into his second year. But you also have some new players as well. Uh, Diaz and we saw Carter Holton uh, pitch some against North Carolina the other night. Now, one of the things that, that intrigues me, and we talked to Tim Corbett about this on Monday for our Commodore Hour show, is having a left-handed starting pitcher. That's something this team uh, really hasn't had the last couple seasons. And uh, yeah, you go with what you have. If your best starters are right-handed, you pitch right-handers. But I think having an effective left-handed starter will really uh, benefit this group. So looking forward to seeing if the, this young young guy can. Uh, get in there and be part of the weekend rotation. I think people have uh, pretty high expectations for him going into this year, but you know, I think the catching situation is an interesting one too. Uh, you get the feeling Dominic Keegan is going to be one of the main guys behind the plate. We saw him almost exclusively at first base last year. Uh, I think he caught one game. I believe it was against FIU toward the end of the season. And uh, Alan Espinal uh, caught the other game over in North Carolina. Keegan started against UNC and Espinal went against Richmond, but you know, you, you have, obviously some major departures in that department, but that's also an area where this team was really strong. Uh, you had about five or six guys on the team last year who had been either catchers at the college level or, or catchers at the high school level, including Jack Bulger, who I know is uh, coming back uh, from, from injury as well. So uh, that, that part is going to be really interesting to me, uh, uh, man. Uh, C.J. Rodriguez is a, is a big piece to try to replace behind the plate. He was so good in handling the pitchers and the running game and everything. So uh, to me, that, that's the part that is intriguing for this group. But you, you know how it is. It's always fun to get out here and watch some of these fall workouts and, and see guys playing in, in different positions that they might not normally play and get familiar with that and, and uh, just see how uh, the, this group works together. And it's sort of the, the starting point for uh, the season to come next spring. 
Yeah, to see Carter Holton get a start in one of those scrimmages, that is not a typical Tim Corbin type thing. When when he throws something out there that early pretty quickly, uh, you know that kid's going to be a factor. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Corbs has, has had nice things to say about uh, Carter, and, and and we'll we'll see where he goes from here. And uh, and again, well, I mean, you, you think back you know, recent years, they haven't been afraid to use freshmen in starting roles. I mean, you think about Kamara Rocker, he's starting pitcher, and and Jack Leiter, even though it was a shortened season, it was pretty obvious he was going to be a, a major factor. And you, you can go back and, and think about lots of guys who have moved right into the weekend rotation as freshmen if they were good enough. So, yeah, this, this may be the case with, uh, with Holton. Yeah, the catching situation, that was the other thing that I'm kind of watching. They did have a lot of guys behind the plate the other day when I was at practice. Um, th- that, to me, is probably the biggest wild card on the offense because I feel like, and I'll know more in a week when I've seen them play in scrimmages, but I feel like they got the potential to hit the daylights out of the ball, and they've got a lot of depth. Yeah, I think so, too. Um it, to me, it was a little disappointing when Max Romero uh, decided to transfer because you were kind of looking forward to seeing him uh, be able to swing the bat a little more. And guy had tremendous power, as we saw a few times. But uh, it, it was a you know it's a luxury that they have this many guys who are, are capable of playing behind the plate. Uh, but you know, being a, a good high school catcher and being a really effective receiver at this level are two different things. Uh, but yeah, that there, there are a lot of. Uh, Things that, that I, I will be interested to see, especially when the season comes along, as far as who is playing what position, that you, you kind of know where some of these guys are going to be. You know Enrique Bradfield is going to be in center field, but uh, a lot of other things seem to be uh, very much up uh, for grabs. And, you know, he always says, uh, Coach Corbin does, that positions are rented, not owned. So uh, we'll see how uh, some of that shakes out. Kevin, any parting thoughts before we end the podcast today? Um, I don't think so. Uh, just uh, we we got a lot going on here on campus. I'm actually doing a soccer match as well on Thursday. Vanderbilt plays uh, Tennessee in the, the last home game. That'll be on SEC Network Plus. But we are going to have radio coverage of the uh, Black and Gold Series Friday, Sunday, and then Tuesday if necessary. We'll have the football game, 3 o'clock kick, 1.30 pregame for that against Mississippi State on Saturday. Kevin, thanks for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. Anytime, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.